Jazz Cortez Paulus here. Kevin Carr over Skype. Beautiful day in Jacksonville. Weather's so good today, huh? Oh, God, yeah. It's 80, I think it's 83, 84 today. Sun's been out all day. It's been it's it's been gorgeous. Now, the next two days, it's going to be hot. <laughs> I about to say, how about this uh, Mayweather that we got starting off here? It's uh, not typical for it to be this cool. No, it, this is, this, today's beautiful. But tomorrow is supposed to be 87. And, and it's supposed to go up to 90. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well. Exactly. Exactly. Have, did you realize Cinco de Mayo falls on Taco Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, it's funny. They they had, it was 2020, 2020 was supposed to be the year that, you know, a lot of this stuff that the holidays and the events falls on the on the uh, weekends, and now this yeah. stuff going on, we can't enjoy it. Exactly, because uh, Cinco de Mayo falls on Taco Tuesday, which worked out perfectly. Fourth mm-hmm. uh, of July is like on a Friday or Saturday. Yep. Uh, Halloween's on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but all these things are later on in the year, so I think we'll actually be able to enjoy some of the summer stuff, and especially later on in the year. But I'm like, it was the year that birthdays were falling on weekends and all that stuff is going on. It, it, this this was that year everybody was supposed to be able to enjoy everything. And now we're like, eh, screw you. Let's just everybody gets sick instead. Hey, yeah, we all being punk right now with, a, with all the man that's going on in the world. So <laughs> it's crazy, man. It does feel like a bad episode of punk at some, at some time. Yes, yes. So. You know what? Hey, we're, we're manager man, and and uh, thank goodness that we have some kind of variation of sports that's on uh, the docu series that we've been watching, The Last Dance, and uh, they aired the uh, episodes on Sunday, uh, three and four, and five or six will be coming on tomorrow. So, what was your overall thought before we kind of break it down? I mean, of, of this next these next two series episodes that came in. What was your overall thoughts about the episodes? Again, so well done. And a lot of people are complaining about how they jump back and forth in between times and things like that. And I actually like it to where they'll hop from, they'll show you stuff about the Pistons and things like that. And then they hop back to 99 or then they, they go back and show Dennis Rodman in his early years. And then they flip flop back around. I actually like the, uh, the, the flip flopping of dates and times and, all of that stuff that they do, I, 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 I think it's been pretty well done. But I like this. Uh, I like three with the Pistons and all that stuff, and them talking about how physical they were, and what Scotty and Mike did to be like. I think my favorite line from the whole shows on this one was, "I wanted to go and be able to inflict pain instead of taking pain." Mm-hmm. With, with what my, Mike said whenever he started uh, doing his workout regime just so he could go and battle the Pistons. Yeah. No, no. Mike, mind you, I said Mike went against his nemesis and went and worked out to beat his nemesis, not go and join two other superstars. <laughs> that was a great one. <laughs> i tell you what. You know, I, you know I, I was gonna throw that. Hey, I was waiting for it, man, and I'm glad you you threw that out there. Um, I, I like I said, you, you I know you. 
I honestly like the whole way they're breaking it down to. They give you a timeline. They fast forward and rewinding back. So it's not like they, they give you something to follow at least. So, I mean, they're not just doing it like in a like unorganized way. So, I mean, I definitely like how they, you know, forward it to the time where they, you know, explain Dennis Rodman years and as a bad boy to his time in Chicago. So it, it, it's, it's, it's forming some kind of relevance. And I, and I like the story. So I think what I like what it's doing now is breaking down, you know, you know how important this was for Phil and Dennis Rodman, Scott Pippen, their stories, uh, Michael Jordan origin and stuff like that. So I like how they're breaking it down, and it seemed like these Nexus episodes is really pretty much just probably gonna focus on you know the the run, um, which I would yeah, think they had to. It's gonna focus on the run, and uh, I know one's about the Dream Team. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's gonna be one about the Dream Team, and I know episode five is um is the kobe episodes yeah the one where they're there that it's dedicated to kobe because i think kobe's going to be in this in it's either five or, or the next one or six mm-hmm. i know it's in the next set that one of them is a kobe citric episode with kobe talking about mike yeah so i i want to tell you because you, you see in these episodes here they highlight you know the pistons and um what, what what was your whole deal of, of the um where Isaiah and Michael Jordan to this day still don't like one another? Like that. Mike Mike hates Isaiah Thomas. Like he just he can't and you can see whenever you're talking about anything, you don't Mike don't get that fired up. As soon as they brought up Isaiah Thomas on this episode, he got fired up. <laughs> like Mike was like, let's go play now. That's how fired up Mike was. And I was like, oh, shit. He still hates Isaiah Thomas. To this day, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> he still hates Isaiah Thomas. And he still hates Bill Lambeer. Because those are the – because if you look at the reason why he hates them two, is because them two, when they're constantly asked about things, they don't put Mike, like, even in their top three. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll say other people before they even put Mike in it. And Mike holds a gr- – Mike – Mike holds a grudge about that, and he uh, it, it, it's just it's just it's just fun that these fifty year old men have pettiness towards each other like that. And I I, I just laugh because as soon as my as soon as they said, well, this is what Isaiah said. Mike looks at the thing and he goes, well, of course he's going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I don't need. He goes, he goes. I don't even got to listen to it because I know what he's going to say. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, Mike, I love you so much. So You cannot stand Isaiah Thomas that much to where you're still holding a grudge after all these years. God bless your heart. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm laughing at it too, man, because um, you just can tell, man, even when they talk, I'm, I'm actually surprised. Um, that Isaiah agreed to do it, but you know, I mean, it's basketball. I'm sure you want to talk his part, but you know, you know darn well that Bill Lambert wasn't gonna do it. Um, but th- oh, listen, yeah. this, this is- they went and done his films. Well, that's why they went and got the uh, the, the video or the audio clip of him saying Mike's not the best, and just put it on there because he wasn't gonna come on. There. The only one, that, really, the only guy on the Pistons who is a nice person and it was a nice guy there's two of them a nice guy that'll come on and actually talk 
was Joe Dumars, but I don't think Joe's been on the show. Was Joe on it? Nah. Any, a lot of people like, asking like, about that. And, and Sally. Mm-hmm. Sally's been on the show. Sally, yeah, Sally, Sally's been on it because Sally don't, Sally likes Mike. Mm-hmm. So you ain't going to hear Sally say bad words to Mike, and he was one of the only ones that didn't walk off the court during that and shook people's hands during that big episode where they just went and got up and walked right past him and walked off the court. What you make of that, Sally, by the way? Oh, it was what it was. The Pistons were the Pistons were a holes. Mike, every time he lost to the Pistons, shook all of their hands. If you watch after he, after everyone in the series where the Pistons knocked them out, Mike shook all their hands. Mike didn't walk off, and the Pistons' excuse was, "Well, the Celtics did that to us." Well, Mike never did that to you. That was the Celtics. I was like, once you beat the Celtics, they didn't they didn't shake your hands. That's them. Mike always. Did, did did that? He always shook hands and did everything. And for them to walk off, I think that was just that was just pettiness on their part, and they knew their time was over. Yeah, listen, I don't, I don't, I get you know you're saying the Celtics didn't do it, and they deserve to get criticized too. But what people gonna have? What what are people gonna remember? What you did for me lately? That's what's gonna come up here. You the last team that did this to what mm-hmm. Michael team here, and guess what? Y'all being pointed out for this exact reason. So yes, I I thought it was petty the first two times they shook your hand and gave you respect. You know, Jordan could have been, you know, look upset about it, which I'm sure the competitor, he was upset that he lost, of course. But he still, you know, showed a sportsmanship, went over there and shook y'all hand. Before y'all, to, you know, walk past him and not shake their hands, I'm, I, yeah, it was just, you know, a sign of disrespect. Because you know, even, even the teams that do that today, we say the same stuff about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you walk off and don't shake nobody's hands, we're going, we say the same stuff about them then, too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How, many, how, many, how many times have we seen people do it? Yeah, yeah, and we and people give them hell when they do it now too. So it it's the same back then as it is now. Exactly. It, it, it doesn't hurt you to go and shake somebody's head, even though they just handed you your butt. Hey, Kevin, I'm about to say, doesn't this kind of hurt you because you know me? And you've been watching basketball growing up in the '90s and stuff like that, and um, you know this whole thing where you know Isaiah and Michael still don't like each other. They're still like. Uh, this thing for another, like there's, there's a, you know, this was a robbery back in the nineties between those two. This Michael was trying to get over the hump against them. Nowadays in the NBA, there's, there's nothing like this. What? Changed, Nowadays man? everybody's friends. What changed, man? Uh, competitiveness. It's competitiveness. It's playing. Here's the thing. Back then they didn't play basketball all the godforsaken time. They played. They played basketball when training camp come up in the season. And then after the season was over, they were done. They didn't go to each other's houses and play pickup games or go on vacation with any other. Even teammates didn't go on vacations with any other. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only person Mike was friends with when it came on the basketball court was what? Larry, Magic, and Charles. And Larry and Magic were after they were almost out the door. That's when he became friends with those guys. And and Charles was really the only guy. And when he got close to Charles was during the Olympic basketball. But once they got on the court, it wasn't you didn't see hear them, and you didn't hear them. And I'm gonna use this as an example. You didn't hear them when they were with the dream team, looking at each other, going, "Hey, when are we all gonna play ball together on the same team?" <laughs> you didn't have four or five guys conspiring to hey. What team are we going to all join together? That way we can all play basketball together. 
you didn't hear about it. No. Because their practices were even competitive. Sure, some of them were friendly, but it wasn't to the extent that it is now to where everybody wants to play on the same team because you want to go and play with your buddy mm-hmm. who just happens to be one of the three or four best players in the league. Yeah. It kills me, though. It, it, the competitive fire, you don't see what happened in the 90s now. And I don't think you'll ever see it again because, and we hear this all the time, because that's the evolution of basketball and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. That this, this is the way basketball is going to be from now. Okay. Well, have at it. But when you get ridiculed for joining your buddies just so you can beat people, then then I don't want to hear nothing else about it. Yeah, see, the, the closest thing that I know that we have to, you know, a, a pair of people that just don't like one another or have a disdain for one another is Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. That's probably the closest thing that we have right now. Oh, yeah, that that's that's that. That's a, a a little dynamic, but even I think it's. I don't think Russell really likes anybody. So, to be honest with you, I think Russell. I think Russell is the only guy when it comes to to attitude and Lillard, for that matter. When it comes to the attitude towards the game and the friendliness and everything like that, I think those are the only two guys that match what they done back then, because you don't see other guys that have that have that type of just disdain for people and that aggressiveness when they get on the court like they did back then. You just see guys now just, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but it is so great, man. Like, I got – I mean, I'm sure even O'Hess agree with me that they got excited when, you know, they saw, you know, Damon Litter hits the three-pointer and wave Russell off the court, and it's just like, that's what I'm talking about. Go at it. Like, it's just – it just you don't see that nowadays, um, and I and I and I, I like to add to maybe you know you got the you know travel ball AAU team that contribute to this, you know maybe the way that the free agency now is set up, you know with the CBA agreement is the way this all set up nowadays. Um, so I mean when you when you talk to people that has been watching basketball in the '90s and they stick with their teams and don't really follow, follow the player nowadays, it's just even the fans are you know the way they approach the game, watching the game is totally different. You know they're 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 more player fans now. It is what it is, oh, yeah. you know. It's more, it's more player oriented, and and it's that's, but that's the same way it is in any sport now. Yeah, it's uh, it's what I call the the fantasy effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fantasy in football has made people more fans of players, yep, and not fans of their teams per se. Yep, like they'll they'll follow players more than they will their own team, mm-hmm. and it, it almost to effect has that effect in basketball. In basketball, it's called the LeBron effect. Now, he changes teams so much, everybody just goes where LeBron goes. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's whatever LeBron super team that he can make, well, that's who they're going to be a fan of. And we know people like that who are just LeBron fans, and that's it. Yeah. That where no, he goes, that's where I'm going to go. No, like I said, we, we got fans that follow <laughs> Russell. We got Westbrook. We, saw, we got fans that follow Kevin Durant. Um, so Kevin Durant changed teams and switched up. He didn't yeah. see from this either. But, you know, I'm like you got a, a I'm a fan of a shit ton of players. Yeah. I love a shit ton of players in their games. But I'm not switching teams just because you ain't playing on it. Yeah. Fuck, man. I, I don't care. Go have fun. I'll enjoy watching you play basketball. But when you play my team, I hope we kick the living dog crap out of it. That's how I look at it as well. 
Uh, like I said, I'm with you, Kevin. I admire a lot of these player games, and you know I can respect you know what Katie brings to the game, LeBron brings to the game, all these other new age players bring to the game. But at the end of the day, you know I'm still you know when you play my team, I'm rooting for you to lose. As simple as that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. But now people follow him so much and go around all these things, and only certain teams were like that with MJ, where their fans just hated Michael Jordan mm-hmm. because he was. Better Pacers, Knicks. No, oh, you can't really say the Knicks. The Knicks will cheer freaking anybody because they're just terrible. But they'll 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 cheer they'll cheer opposing teams fans over their own any most of the time. But it it, it it but back then it was the Knicks had the Knicks had balls back then. And but not, but it's just everything's just completely changed about sports in general and how everybody views it and watches it everything now too so it's it's whatever i just i still watch my crap the same way i always watch my crap (laughs) okay who had the quote tonight ron harper or uh horace grant (laughs) 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 it was ron harper it was ron harper but horace grants was horace grants was great too i'll tell you man i'm ron harper i'm like all right motherfucker yeah, that, <laughs> he, he goes. I got Mike. I got Mike. No, we're gonna go Elo on him. Okay, motherfucker. Did you hear that? Craig Elo came out with a story in Cleveland.com saying that that didn't happen. Uh no, I'll, I'll believe Ron Harper because Ron Harper can actually guard Mike. Yeah, so Craig, we know, we know you couldn't guard Mike, no. but I'm I'm damn sure know that that happened. Yeah. Because so, you, you shouldn't have been on him at all whatsoever. Yeah, nah, that's why I say, yeah, great Elo, they had a story like, well, he didn't mention that to me, blah, blah, like that. You know, it, it's, it's this was so great about this documentary, man. It's getting a lot of, like, people out the woodwork that you haven't heard from in a while. And um, But, yeah, the, the quote, I, I I busted out laughing at the Ron Harper quote. I did that at the Horace Grand one, too, you know, because it, it's it, it was funny, though, Ron Harper, Ron Harper is there. <laughs> at the Cleveland thing, and then years later, he's playing with them. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, it's great, man. So he's like, he's like, like, he's like, okay, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Horace Grant, we ate them some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't then Horace Grant. Horace Grant, like he, uh, I, I had read a tweet that that night. Saying that man, Horace Grant, like, like like that uncle that can put a slab of reels on the grill and 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 be busting down with the side. I said, okay, Horace. Yeah. I thought Bill Cartwright looked old back when he played. Mm-hmm. Now Bill Cartwright looks young. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bill Cartwright still looks. Bill Cartwright looks like he did back then, which now is young. And but B.J. Armstrong still looks like he should be carded <laughs> to get any types of alcohol. I know, man. B.J. Armstrong was drinking from the fountain of youth, man. Jeez. B.J. Armstrong still looks like a kid. <laughs> hey, I don't see an ounce of facial hair on that guy, man. I was like, jeez, man. This is like, he, he, yeah, he looks, he looks like great, man. Like, you still like him. I know. That was mine. I was like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you ain't even got a great hair. No. It was crazy, man. All right, let's touch up on um, Dennis Rodman. I love, I loved it though. I love, I, I, I like, I, I like seeing all the old guys come on and talk about it. 
Nah, it's been good it, so far. Even them having Bill Weddington come on. I'm like, whoa, holy crap. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk about Dennis Rodman and his, his journey of getting where he at right now. Like, <clears throat> what you what you thought about them breaking down Dennis Rodman, you know, background and getting where he, he got to? Dennis Rodman is one basketball. of the most misunderstood people in NBA history. He's one he, he's one of the most he's one of the most unsung heroes of teams. But he's also one of the most construed and misunderstood guys in all of basketball. Where people have tried to make him out for villains for, as a villain for years. And as this freak for for years when uh, he's just Oprah, uh, do. Uh, he's just a normal dude that plays by his own stuff. Sorry, I'm gonna say yeah, Oprah. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just a normal dude that just plays by his own that just wants to be different. And the only reason he wanted to be different is because of Madonna. <laughs> Madonna opened that boy up to all kinds of stuff. <laughs> hey man, what them white girls do for you? <laughs> no, Madonna make the freak flag pop. But that's why. I, but but Dennis is a, what I take. Dennis is a kind-hearted soul. It's just Dennis wasn't ready. I think at one point Dennis wasn't ready for the notoriety he was getting uh-huh. in Detroit, and then that's what made him go into his shell. And that's what made him get depressed and everything like that and not show up for stuff because he wasn't one that wanted to get into the limelight. But then when he got Madonna, Madonna was like, dude, be you. Don't care what none of these other people think about you and be yourself. And I'm like, and that was the jump he needed. And I I like Dennis. I think Dennis is just one big misunderstood soul. But I, I I like Dennis Rodman. I, I thought he was great. Yeah, his soul story. Especially with this episode. You want to go play for the Bulls? Oh, yeah, I guess. What's up? <laughs> yeah, man, his whole story, um, getting where he was and starting out, you know, got in basketball late, late boomer, and was able, you know, to pick up on things. And he just figured, like, well, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to outwork you. And it took him to where he studied, you know, where the position of, of the ball come off the rim to be, you know, one of the best rebounds that this game arguably has seen, you know, today. But I, I, I definitely like the story about him background. And, yeah, like Kevin said, you know, he, he was a bit misunderstood. And, you know, he, he was just different. And But the thing is that you admire about Dennis, he, he uh, worked the butt off. I enjoyed the story when he came back. And we'll get into the whole expedenture like that. But he came back from his trip. And they were like, okay, we're going to run around and laugh. And as soon as Dennis got there, Dennis just start going where he is. And this is the guy who just got done having, you know, a lot of fun. And uh, so they were telling him, like, hey, no, you know, don't run don't run too fast. But Dennis didn't care. <laughs> it's just going to outwork everybody, man. But, uh, and, here, and, and here's the thing about Dennis. When he went to the Pistons, Dennis could score. Dennis, in college, when he got dressed, he could, he could score. He was an offensive-minded player. And he could do whatever he wanted to do on the basketball court. But when he went to the Pistons, he was like, okay, I'm the third to fourth option. He goes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play defense 
and I'm going to rebound. Mm-hmm. He goes, because I'm their fourth scoring option. He goes, they won't come to me unless I'm unless they absolutely have to to score the basketball. So I'm going to focus on playing defense, pestering the hell out of everybody, and getting rebounds. He is he was the ultimate team player when he got drafted and when he went to the Pistons because he took away something that he knew he could do, which is scoring, and focused on all the other stuff that he'd done well, but to make him the stellar basketball player that he was, the all-defensive player, the leading rebounder. He focused just on those parts of the game. And when he was discussing the trajectory of the basketball, when he was like, I would watch tape on Bird see the rotation of Bird's ball where it would hit the rim, and then I would know it's going to shoot off that way. I'd watch Magic's rotation. Magic's rotation spun one half after Greed. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, this dude was a basketball genius when it came to rebounding the basketball. Mm -hmm. He literally knew the rotation of the ball, what degrees it did, and where it was going to bounce. And the way he was flinging his hands everywhere, he was like, it's going to shoot over there and shoot over there. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, dude had a dude had basketball knowledge that people don't give him enough credit for. Yeah. What do you think about his trip to, um, because, you know, they, they wrote down a story where, you know, he uh, made the sacrifice. They was losing at the beginning of the season. Um, he wanted a vacation. <laughs> and uh, they, they end up making that, you know, he started, you know, being taken more of a, you know, role or trying to be a scorer and do a little bit more until Scotty got back. Once Scotty got back, then, you know. He wanted a vacation. And he wanted a vacation to go to Las Vegas. So, listen, Phil, Phil. <laughs> they, they broke down how great Phil and um, Dennis Rodman got along. They were very much alike, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, they gave him 48 hours, and Michael Jordan said, he ain't coming back in 48 hours. I can guarantee you that. Well, the 48 hours turned to 72 hours, and he's still in Vegas. And Michael Jordan went to go get him. What do you think about that whole My- story? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan went to his house to go and get him, though. He wasn't in Vegas when he went and got him. He already came back from Vegas, but he didn't report. Because what was supposed to happen was Dennis was supposed to come back to Chicago and report after the 48 hours and come back. Well, he stayed in Vegas a little longer, but they were on a break because they already played some games, but they had a little break in between games. Mm-hmm. So the break in between games is when Dennis was officially supposed to come back. He didn't show up. Mike went to his house and got him. I said, come on, dude. We got, you got to come back and play. So that's, and that's where you see the part where Dennis coming in with the sweatpants and the and the, the slides on and Phil going, okay, Dennis, we need you to stretch some things. And then Mike going, Mike going, I feel the last too much. <laughs> plus, plus, really, do you think he was really going to come back from after 48 hours? Going to Las Vegas with Carmen Electra. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would have been coming back either. How about him hiding Carmen Electra hiding as soon as Michael Jordan comes in the house? Because Michael Jordan came in the house, I hid. <laughs> and then he walked by me and I said, Hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't hide good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when you hear her tell the story, she said Mike comes into the house. 
So they wasn't in Vegas when he came and got him. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. You know, it was just, it was a good story. And then Phil, being Phil, hey Dennis, did you stretch anything? Hey, that's asking too much, Phil. No. <laughs> Don't ask too much right now. <laughs> oh, it's so good. The insight to them guys is just it, that. That's what making that's what making this more enjoyable because we seeing we're seeing sides of guys that you don't see. Yeah, yeah, and um, but Phil, oh my goodness, going to Puerto Rico and being a coach. Yeah, that was like top-notch uh, underground footage, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, where the hell did they dig up footage of Phil in Puerto Rico? That That is uh, – that was great. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it it's cool, though, that they're diving into everybody's stuff. And then the Tex Winter story about how they had Tex wanting to run this stupid triangle. And, <laughs> and Collins was like, no, my triangle is get the ball to Mike. And Mike was like, they wanted to take the ball out of my hand. <laughs> he wanted to give me the ball. <laughs> of course I didn't want to see him leave. He gave me the ball. <laughs> Say a lot about Mike, though, once he caved in and see the results, huh? Well, dude, he's, even when even even in a triangle offense, he still averaged 31 points a game. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. No, nah, man, it just highlights he game even when you even over his career, even when you put those two crappy years in or the two years in Washington win with him. Yeah. Have you Which uh, oh he scored twenty three and twenty one a game when he was in Washington at forty years old. <laughs> hey, just not that life Michael Jordan, huh? Well somebody tell me how some of these highfalutin superstars. Tell me how many points per game they score and how many rebounds and stuff they get a game. Mm-hmm. And and they're they're in their twenties. And we talk about how good they are. This guy was in their forties, is in his forties and scoring twenty three points a game. Okay, enough said. <laughs> hey, are you surprised that we haven't like heard much about Tony Ku coaching this? I'm not so. I don't. I think Tony is going to come up when they do the Dream Team one. Because, and I know we talked about it um, on last week's episode with CL. It was in 1992 when the Bulls got Tony Kukoc's rights, and when Tony Kukoc was coming to play, they were going to make him the highest paid member of the Bulls. Yeah, and that's when Mike and Scotty went at him in '92 and didn't let him do anything when they were in the Olympics. So Tony came in right after all that stuff happened. But then that's why Mike and Scotty were always angry about their contract was because of that. I just wanted to clear it up because everybody thought it was 90, the the second Olympic team uh-huh. where they shut him down. And it was actually 1992 where they wanted to shut him up. Uh, um, well, so I think we'll hear a lot of stuff when they do the Dream Team episode, because I know we're going to hear about the Puerto Rican guard that said Michael Jordan wasn't nothing. Yeah. And Mike told them he was guarding him the whole game because he wasn't going to score a point. <laughs> um, I was about to say, too, what would you, um looking at 
there was supposed to be even Michael Jordan said, you know, when this started, this gonna make me look more of of like the bad guy. We I, I haven't seen that. Yeah. It it makes him look exactly like how we how we knew how he was. Yeah, so I was I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen. No, that he's yet. a competitive. He's a competitive badass. Yeah, he was a competitive basketball. He was a competitive in every single thing that he did. Mm-hmm. And that's what we know about Mike. This hasn't made Mike look look bad at all. Right. I think it's been funny as hell watching him. No, I yeah. think it's. No, what I think it's done is opened up a lot of people's eyes and brought Mike and brought Mike into a new light in certain people's eyes mm-hmm. because Mike's always been Mike. We've never seen nothing on Mike that's that's out of his outer personality has come out in a show or anything like that. All everybody knows about Mike is the the basketball and championships and stuff and what he did at the Kobe Bryant funeral. Mm-hmm. That's what people know about Anna crying me. That's what people know about Mike. No one knows Mike, how he was outside of everything, unless you watched some of those old documentaries back in the 90s that they did. Mike Come Fly With Me and the one that uh, the Michael Jordan IMAX movie that they did, stuff like that. If you haven't watched none of that, then this is your first real dose of how Michael Jordan was as a person outside of basketball yeah. and you start to see a little bit of it there too but he was always competitive in everything that he does yeah. you think he let his kids beat him at basketball <laughs> hey definitely not <laughs> but I th- but but for people that followed his career and everything I don't think it's made him look like to be nothing but what we knew he was yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this is what Michael own words is that people just are gonna find out how you know they they're just thinking of like his competitor. They they just gonna take it the wrong way. He kind of broke. It. Yeah, because that's the way that's the way the new era is. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come across. Wow, this guy was like this. He was an a hole. No, he was competitive. You hear your guys doing what they're doing now in the NBA and everything like that. This guy wasn't like this guy wasn't built like that. Mm-hmm. This guy, this guy is a completely different animal than everybody's used to now. As far as in terms of his competitiveness, that's why I continuously tell people Kobe Bryant is the closest thing you'll see to Michael Jordan uh, since Michael Jordan came along. Kobe Bryant is it from his competitiveness to his drive to everything else to not caring if people liked him or not. Until later on, when his career was ending, that's who Mike was. Mike and Kobe, are their similarities are incredible. And that's what I think we're going to hear on the next episode that we're going to get to talk about next week, is how much that Kobe patterned himself after Mike. Because mm-hmm. that's what they said this one's going to be, is Kobe telling everybody, look, this was my dude. This was who everything I did was because of him. And that's who Mike said would give him the hardest one-on-one battle ever. Yeah, yeah. Somebody goes, who would give you the best one-on-one game? He goes, Kobe, because he does every single thing that I do. He goes, it'd be like trying to stop myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, see? I'm like, I try to tell people this, but they don't want to listen (laughs) 
Oh man, anything else we missed that we need to cover for the last dance that you can think of? Uh, not really. Uh, we got the horse Grant saying, "Oh damn, oh motherfucking son bitches." Yeah. And we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We could. We covered basically enough of the stuff. Uh, it was. It was good. It, it, these two episodes were good. I like the first two episodes better, but these two these two were good as well. I like how they covered Dennis and Phil for that matter during during these episodes. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I like how they did that and it kind of... I like how... I like we got to see Carmen Electra. <laughs> of course. But no, I, yeah, I, said, I, I mentioned that I like, I like seeing the the higher line like Dennis and Phil just a lot. You know, they're out there. They're, they're like to express themselves in different ways. And that was pretty cool how they kind of, you know, paralleled those two together. The Indian, the Indian thing got me. Yeah. They both were real big on Indians, mm-hmm. on the Indian way of stuff and everything like that. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was great. When Phil goes, here, take this. And he's like, oh, I can't take that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you thought about the rest of the NFL draft? We can transition to that. Wow, I, I, I was about to ask you the same question. <laughs> I thought it turned out well. Uh, a lot of teams got, a lot of teams did very well. Getting some, uh, getting some sleepers like way later in the draft, mm-hmm. and I was surprised. I was surprised by how many names were out there for later on, and I was surprised how many names went as fast in the second round as they did. Yeah. Like there were some guys, I'm like, damn, you went there? <laughs> I'm like, holy crap! I was like, that was fast. Yeah. But oh, oh, overall, overall, it went well. I, I thought uh, they did the second, uh, oh, the second day and third day. Uh, went by a little smoother with their uh, virtual stuff and everything, so I, I think it went. I think it went pretty well. Yeah. Can't wait till they get back in front of a crowd and stuff like that. I'm uh, trying to be cautious, with my Broncos. They did get a lot of talent, but we got to worry about the offensive line a little bit still. You know, that kind of what. Well, we had, we had to worry about every godforsaken thing, so there was no way we were going to get all that taken care of in the draft. For sure, for sure. But you know, I know a lot of people are dying like, Oh yeah, Broncos is up next. Be careful. We still got a line that's a weakness. Like we didn't we didn't well I, I knew it wouldn't come, but Garrett Bowles, we declined his fifth year option. Um he Oh yeah. A lot of uh Trubisky got his decline. Yeah. Yep. Uh Fournette got his decline. I'm shocked. <laughs> I knew his I knew his was gonna get declined draft night. <laughs> Yeah, I still remember you being pretty angry about Look, that pick. Leonard's a great dude. He's just, again, we could have drafted freaking Christian McCaffrey <laughs> or somebody else. And we could, oh, my God. Again, we make the bad decision in the draft. <laughs> huh. well, oh, my hey, God. Y'all got a good one in the first round this year, so. We got two good ones in the first round this year. So y'all, y'all, Thanks, so y'all been pretty good. And, and then LA goes and has and two their back to back picks were phenomenal yeah. in getting Cam Akers and um Van Jefferson. They went all Florida. Mm. Yeah, they went they went all Florida for their two picks that they had in the second round. Yeah. Getting uh getting them to. I was like, Oh, thanks for taking Cam Akers. I didn't want him or nothing. Assholes. <laughs> oh, thanks for taking Van Jefferson. I didn't want him, asshole. 
<laughs> nice man, nice. So, but we got the kid out of Colorado who, if he can stay healthy, that dude, that dude plays every dang position. Yep. So we gotta find a way to get him the ball. But knowing our luck, well, with John Gruden here, or with Jay Gruden here now, I, I think everything will open up a little bit more than what we're what we're used to play calling wise and stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we added. A, Added Chris Thompson, the running back from from uh, Washington uh, yesterday, and so he, he what forty seven balls out the backfield. Nice. So we know we're going to be throwing the ball to the backs a lot and everything like that. That's why I wish we would have got like a little Michael P. Ryan or Cam Akers and or something like that in the draft. But as long as if we can get Thompson to stay well, to stay healthy, don't that sound like a reoccurring theme for my team? Well, if we can get this guy to stay healthy. Oh, we can get this guy to stay healthy. Oh, if that guy stays healthy, yeah. Nobody ever stays healthy on this team. <laughs> uh, for sure, man. For sure. But here's um, what I find funny. Yeah. Um, Carolina, Carolina couldn't trade Cam Newton. Um, who was the other? Tampa Bay couldn't trade Jameis Winston. Jacksonville got a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. <laughs> Don't know. No, I, I can't explain it. No, can't uh, can't explain it whatsoever. Two more things, NBA wise. Uh, LeBron James did announce Space Jam. They got the logo out. Logo nah, good. I know. What I was know. James Harden doing wearing that hat? <laughs> yeah. Hey, LeBron James beard getting out there. Logo looked pretty good. So yeah, I was like, okay. See how that looked like. And then number two, I guess uh, Shams, which. Honestly, it, it was the guy, the beat writer um, in Orlando, who suggested the idea, Keith Smith, that the NBA should consider using Disney if they could come back and, you know, play. And they said they're considering or looking in detail. They, they didn't say considering, they're looking into it. So, Well, the big, the big thing is most of the sports right now are looking into Florida as a comeback place. Yeah. Because, because Florida – Minus Miami and all that crap down there is doing very well with this stuff because of heat and humidity and all that stuff. And most of our activities and stuff are outside. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is we're doing a very good job at keeping all the numbers really low. And that's been the focus of a lot of the things. And I heard basketball was, I heard basketball was not only looking at the milk house to come and play, basketball in but a lot of the facilities in florida Mm -hmm. to come and do games in here in jacksonville uh lakeland uh orlando just to have all these facilities to where if they want to start it up and get some of these regular season games in they could go ahead and do and then the florida teams would also have legs up because they'll be able to open up their facilities and have their guys coming in already but there's so many places that teams could go and practice and get prepared for in Florida that Florida would be one of the main things that people they look to to go and open up. Florida, Georgia, things that Texas, places that are already getting ready to ramp everything up. If you notice, all the hotter places are the ones that are doing a very good job with the coronavirus. Yeah. 
because of the heat and the humidity and they want people to go outside and we've done our parts with staying six feet apart and everything like that. So a, a lot of the hotter places are doing very well with it. So they're everything. I think everything, I think NBA is definitely going to start back up pretty soon. Like I give it in June to where I don't know if they're going to go straight into the playoffs or they're going to resume regular season. I'm not sure which one they do, but I just wish they would go right into the playoffs. Give these guys, give these guys a few, like a month to get back into shape, get ready to go, and then them go at it again. Nice. I I just been enjoying the um, which I'm. I like about. the Disney though. Disney's got freaking seven basketball courts in that milk house. Yeah. You know how many games you'd be able to get get done? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, hmm. But now I, I <laughs> listen. I've been living on the um, which I know Toronto's way better than my Magic. So they did a whole regulation. I seen that. <laughs> but yeah, right now, it's, if it was playing, they would be tied with Toronto 3-3 because Toronto just won their game yesterday and beat us by 20. So this game seriously be going 7. So I'm laughing at the whole thing. They got Stratum out on Twitter, and they, they got all the uh, NBA teams that made the playoffs and all their projections and stuff. So it's, it's been, pretty, been pretty funny to read, man. And and you know, what's even, you know what's even better about it is watching Toronto fans getting pissy about computer results. Really? It's just a computer simulation. It's not going to happen. But they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, Toronto fans are they before the championship they was already ridiculous. But you know, um, now I win a title, they just on top of the world. So you know, listen, you got your one title. I taught my I taught my crap too, but yeah, nonetheless, it's like it's a simulation. Don't get mad. <laughs> how, how how did the Heat do in the simulation? Uh, last I checked, they was tied with Indiana two two. Yeah, so they they had they, yeah they had y'all tie Indiana two two. So I think y'all are getting the four seed. Indiana, Indiana got the fifth seed. So, um, oh, well, that's how it was anyway, wasn't it? We yeah. had fourth. We were fourth. Yeah, we ended up catching Brooklyn because we're like a half game behind them. So yeah, um, but, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I, I just uh, I know NASCAR is about to be the first big thing to start up, and they're actually doing they're doing seven races in ten days. Starting in um, starting May seventeenth, I think uh, they're doing they're doing uh, races in Bristol. No, not Bristol, um, Darlington and Charlotte. Mm. So they're going to be they're going to be kicking it off, and um, they're going to do a NASCAR race on one Sunday and in the middle of the week under the lights on Wednesday. All from right. there, and then they're going to go to Charlotte. And they're going to do the big Memorial Day race that they do the 600. Mm-hmm. They're going to do that one from Charlotte. It's just no fans are going to be in attendance. Um, here in the next week or next weekend, um, UFC is doing three events from Jacksonville, ah. from the from the Coliseum. Nobody can go to it, but they're doing three events from here. Because <laughs> as soon as soon as the, as the governor cleared. Uh, that sports could resume as long as there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana White contacted Jacksonville and was like, hey, can we use... And they were like, yeah, you can use the arena for for the shows. And so they, they opened that back up so they can come and fight and they're doing three shows back to back to back. And I think there was an agreement made that because we let them come and do 
these shows with no crowds and everything, whenever the crowds can come back, UFC is actually going to do a pay-per-view from Jacksonville to where the crowds can come in. Ah, sweet. And then uh, AEW, the wrestling company that the son of the Jaguar owner runs, Mm -hmm. they're coming back and doing live events from Jacksonville. And they said as soon, they said because places like around the country aren't opening up, they said as soon as uh, they give the clear for people to actually come and watch stuff again, they're going to open it up for residents of Jacksonville to come for free and watch wrestling. Nice. So I'm like, cool, whenever they do that, I'm going to sit in one chair, the other person can sit in the other chair, and we're going to have a chair every other place. Be able to put your feet out, lay down. (laughs) (laughs) Things are slowly beginning to get a swift kick in the ass. I know we're in phase one right now. Uh, So phase two, phase two is when we'll see all the majority of sports related things open up like kids sports. I think it'll start opening back up. That's a big thing. The youth sports really, I really hope youth sports kick back up. Because I know how much, like Austin, likes playing football. I know how much friends of mine like taking their kids to play soccer and do stuff like that. So I'm hoping in phase two we start getting these kids sports to to be able to come back on. Because God knows we need to get them out of the house so they stop playing video games and do things like that and start being active again. Yeah, for sure, man. Because I know, because I, the bad thing is when you're a kid, you need interaction with other kids. You need interaction with people your age and not your moms and your dads and grandpas and grandmas all the time. You need that you need that peer-to-peer interaction. And so I know they're missing their friends from school and everything like that. So the quicker that can get started back up, the better as well. Because we, we just need it. We just need – everybody needs everything for their mental health, and that's including our children as well. For sure. All right. And sports is that ultimate ultimate thing that gets people back out in the world and gets people active and gets people moving around again and gets people happy. So the sooner sooner when sports kicks back off, then we kind of get that normalcy back. (laughs) It's amazing, ain't it? Sports is that one thing. Hey, brings it all together. I'll take it. <laughs> it's sports and, sports and church. <laughs> if you can't go to church, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. If you can't watch sports, you dang sure going to hear about it. Yeah. So it, that's them two things, man. If a person can't go to church, you dang sure know they're going to get mad about it. And if we can't watch some type of sports, we dang sure going to get mad about it. <laughs> but it's like I've been telling. It's like it's like I, I I pretty much had a good had had a good read on what I read about all this stuff going on and everything. I said around May we would we would open up, start opening up some stuff in the state and get things cooking again. And here we are in May on Monday. Restaurants are going to start opening up. Malls are going to start opening up. So um, here in the next, here in a couple of weeks in May, I think it's actually going to kick back up to that second tier notch to where because God knows some of y'all need a barber. So <laughs> you, you devil talking about me. <laughs> I 
I know a lot of people need one. You see my mom's haircut. You know she needs to go to a beautician. But uh, see, that's why I got my haircut right before we got locked down. <laughs> you smart, man. You smart. And when I got it, they were like, how do you want it? I said, make that bad boy a one and a half. Get it in. Streamline as you can. Because uh, yeah. when I'm coming out, it'll be just about to fill out time for me to get another haircut. I'm laughing. So it worked for me. I'm laughing at people like, man, you need a haircut. I'm like, well, I'm going to do pay $70 for an on-call haircut. I'm good. <laughs> I will wait it out. Get them clipped. I about to say who I'm looking good for anyways. I said, hey, I'm up here at work. I see all y'all faces, the same people, so y'all see me nappy. Y'all see me when I'm in ni- nicely shaved and cleaned up, so what's the difference? <laughs> they just start laughing. All I know is when everything starts opening up, condom sales are going to go through the roof. Uh... Night after pill sales are going to start going through the roof. Yeah, yeah. Because all the single people are going to be out and going to be like, hey, I don't care. We're going to have to do it doggy style. Well, we can wear masks. But we have sex. <laughs> hey, I don't care. You like a five. Come here, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you were two and a half, but I don't yeah, care. I don't care. You got that mask on. I don't got to see yeah, your face. There it is. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. But for everybody there that's that listens to us and has got stuff going on and everything like that. All you got to do is wait a few more weeks and, and things will start, things will start kicking back in the gear. Especially if you live in Florida, anywhere near a beach, near a, a public park or anything, get back outside, get back outside, go and enjoy the, uh, the weather, uh, basketball hoops and stuff are starting to open back up, go outside, shoot you into your hoops, go and hang out with people and, and, and just, try to get some type of normalcy back in your life the way it was before because we all know for everybody's mental health we need this kind of stuff to kick back up hopefully everybody's jobs are opening back up and we can get back to work and people stop stressing about money people stop and start getting their health okay and and hopefully we get back because we know we took we know we took a big time again at loss uh, a lot of people that we know just take it have taken losses from this disease or this virus can't even call it a disease because it's just a virus but we know a lot it's taken a toll on a lot of families it's taken a toll not only financially mentally physically and it's it's beat us all down but we still are one of the strongest nations in the world we're some of the strongest people in the world if we can get through this if we can get through 9 11 and we can get through things like that. We can get through this as well. So just everybody stay strong, stay healthy, get out of the house if you can, go and have fun, go and try to enjoy yourself, and go try to be amongst people. That way you can at least yell at them from six feet and say hey to people and do things like that and just just all of us try to get out and just get our minds right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well spoken by Kevin Carter. Um like I said, uh, everybody stay healthy. Um, want to send my condolences to uh, the Daylor Morin family. It was one of my college classmates that passed away to COVID-19. Um, he was behind a uh, beautiful wife and a baby boy. Um, and, I'm, you know, I did donate to on their behalf for the funeral costs. And um, my prayers are with his family, his friends. And, and that's real close and stuff like that. I was, I was very good friends with Daylor. And um, it just it really hits home when you lose somebody that you know. So, yep. Um, but like I say, you know, make sure that y'all y'all taking the precautions, everything that you need to do. Be safe. 
Uh, make sure, like Kevin said, you enjoy yourself, enjoy your life. And for the main thing, that y'all get back working and make some money because um, I know people that wasn't fortunate to have a job. And <laughs> Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like I said, just keep your head up and keep going strong. And I know we'll get through this. And, and uh, there, there, there's a will, there's a way. So, but thanks for listening. We're going to close this bad boy out. We'll definitely um, come back next week and discover a little bit more what happened with the last dance in episode five and six. Um, so you can follow the podcast page at Falls Not Court. You can follow me at End of Mind CP. Uh, Kevin C twenty four fifteen. All right, you can go to our Facebook page and type in Balls Not Court podcast. Give us a like, comment, shout there. We're also on Podomatic. You can just go type in End of Mind CP You can go to us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Windows, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, and many other sites as well. Or Kevin like to say, wherever you're listening to us before, just keep going there. Awesome. And guys, stay up, and uh, we'll get through this. And, and we'll be back next week to, you know, recover or recoup. Well, yeah. Last dance again. And you guys, and you guys, thank the last dance for us doing all these podcasts. Because if it wasn't for that, Cortez would have waited another four weeks before we did another one. <laughs> <laughs> Some form of basketball is bad, man. So nonetheless, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Take care. Oops.